Hey everyone, this is Lynn Bartim, and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at seu.edu slash apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. All right. Well, welcome in, everyone. Uh, This is the Apex Hour. It's three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. I'm so excited. This is our third uh, in a series of our SUU 125 shows, where we are, as Ryan likes to put it, getting to know the people in the neighborhood uh, and really learning about the people who make SUU go. And this week is going to be a little different because Ryan has totally twisted my arm to turn the tables on me a little bit and ask some questions to me. So, Ryan, I'm going to let you introduce your guests. Great. So thank you for being here, both of you. And uh, it's I'm excited. This is an exciting time. So to my left is my friend David Bishop. Uh, David Bishop is the Director of Public Relations here at SUU and uh, a person of many talents and uh, and amazing things. I like to say a whole lot of luck, a little bit of talent. Oh my gosh, with a great radio voice. And I've been hearing that you do more than beyond your job. So I want to hear about everything. But okay, continue. So yes. So (laughs) and and across from me is my good friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Lynn Vartan, who has been directing Apex for many years and is a professor in the music department. And uh, I'm speechless because I'm so excited to learn more. We've had many uh, lunch conversations, but we need to talk to you. She is the best interviewer I've ever seen or heard. And so I'm hoping that we can hear some things about her today as well. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, where should we start? Let's start with how you ended up, how we got to now. So David, why don't you start? How did you, how did you end up here? Well, I got here about two and a half years ago. I'm a native of Florida, and my uh, we, we I lived there all my life, or most of my life. And uh, my wife and I, um, about two and a half years ago, or said, you know, we really want to live in a place where we can raise our kids. We have two young kids, a an 11 year old son and six year old daughter. And Florida's great, but it has this well earned reputation for being a little bit crazy, right? <laughs> And so we wanted to live in a place where we would feel comfortable with our kids playing in the front yard. Yeah. And we have a a, a dear friend. I have a dear friend who um, works here at SUU, Dr. Tyler Stillman. Oh. And uh, we've known each other since uh, he was uh, uh, getting his PhD at Florida State University in Tallahassee. And we'd been here a couple of times and fell in love with it here. And so it was July the 5th, so about three years ago, uh, two and a half years ago, July 5th. And... um, and my my wife was a holdout because, you know, her parents lived close by and she didn't want to leave. So, uh, but she finally said, you know what? I'm ready to go. So this is about to be the story of my entire life. Like doors just opened for me when, uh, right when I needed them to open. So wow. I said, okay, so the largest employer in Cedar City is Southern Utah University. I'll look online to see if they have any job openings. 
And lo and behold, they had an opening for the director of public relations. And uh, four weeks later, we are driving cross-country with my wife, kids, and the dog from Florida to Utah. Oh, my gosh. So you said that doors just open up for you. Is that, I mean, do you practice like the secret and manifestation or any of that? Or is it just luck? Or? No, it's, it's like I like to consider myself like Forrest Gump, right place, right time. <laughs> and uh, that's been the story of my career, whether it w- whether it's when I was a reporter and just getting interviews with, um, you know, iconic people. Yeah. Or just, I mean, my whole career has been sort of uh, blessed, luck, right place, right time, whatever you want to call it. And you've been open to it. I mean, that, Oh, I'm you totally know, open to it, yeah. That's awesome. So cool. So we want to get back to your iconic people and your iconic interviews in a second. But Lynn, how how did you end up? What How did you get to now? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I'm a musician, professional musician, and I was in Los Angeles. I grew up in Central California. And the day I graduated high school, my car was packed and I was off to LA, you know, to do the music thing. And I did all of my education in LA. And then I was working in LA freelancing and doing my solo career for years. But I had the, the PhD, I had the doctorate and really always in intended to find the perfect sort of home base where, because I've always been an educator, but where I could have a program and um, really be a part of something, be a part of a university, be integrated, really dive in and be all in in a place, but also still continue my performing career. So um, my husband and I started really thinking about that in 2008, and there were three percussion jobs open that year. One was in Fairbanks, Alaska. One was in South Carolina, and the other was Cedar City, Utah. And um, he had been through Cedar City many times, and we just, you know, really kind of fell in love with it. So applied, and here we are. So we, we talk about, you've mentioned this many times, a percussionist. What is the difference between a percussionist and a drummer? Well, at its core, you know, we do the same things, but the ongoing joke is, you know, the, the typically a drummer is considered someone who plays drum set exclusively, right? That's a drummer. And a percussionist is someone who, in addition to playing drum set, plays all the other family of percussion instruments. And that's what I do. I do ev- everything. And one of my specialties is the marimba. People really associate me with that. But world music, and, and I teach all of those things here, including drum set. So you may not know this about me, but I've been known to be a bit of a percussionist as well on, on the belly drum. <laughs> that is my instrument That's of fantastic. choice. So, and we should mention you are a Grammy nominated. I am. Musician, yes. Three yeah. times over. Is yes, that correct? Yeah. So. I've been Grammy nominated several times, never won yet at least. Um, but it was a real honor. I've gone to the nominee parties. I have the nom- nominee medals at home and the whole thing. Um, but all of those were with a fantastic group, chamber music group that I used to work with called Southwest Chamber Music. And with that group, we did all of those and then, excuse me, toured all over the world to Cambodia and Vietnam and all different places. And it was amazing. So we, as we transition to this idea of music, and that's one of the connections that I, I think we can bring here. You're, you go, David, you go way back in the musical world, almost from the very beginning. So can you tell us some of the things that you've been thinking about musically and, and how did that bring you into your career now? Well, my father was a road manager for a lot of groups uh, in the 60s, Herman's Hermits, uh, toured with the Temptations, uh, a lot of other groups. And 
you know, I've dabbled in uh, music as well in terms of uh, representing uh, representing musical groups, primarily groups, some individual musicians. I'll tell you how I got into that. So um, I was at one time the deputy secretary of the Florida Lottery, and I was in charge of marketing and uh, communications. And we had this new ticket called Flamingo Fortune. And, and I said, okay, how can I conceptually come up with a, a commercial for that new ticket? And the, so the, the mascot for the lottery was a flamingo. But I said, okay, I, I, you know, I love classic music from the 50s, 60s. I said, the flamingos, I only have eyes for you. I said, it's an older group, but I, you know, I, I Googled it. I said, are they still active? And lo and behold, the one original member was still alive. And, uh, and so, we hired them to uh, be in a grocery store in this sort of dream sequence. Wow. <laughs> and they performed I Only Have Eyes for You as the uh, the actress in the commercial had her eyes on the Flamingo Fortune ticket. And so so it, I, I struck up a friendship. So we shot that commercial in a grocery store overnight when the grocery store was closed from, from, from like midnight to 6 a.m. And there's a lot of downtime when you shoot a commercial and Terry Johnson is the last remaining member of that group. And he and I struck up a friendship. And a few we, a few months later, he called and said, you know what? I think you'd be really good at booking artists uh, in venues. And something I'd never done before, but I always like a new challenge. And that started my, my uh, uh, kind of semi- uh, part-time career and, and booking artists. And, and to date, I've worked with a lot of groups. Uh, Lala Brooks, the original lead singer of The Crystals, uh, Ambrosia, Peter Beckett, the lead singer of Player, Dandy Serafin, uh, founding member and uh, drummer, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame drummer for Chicago. Yeah. Um, so I've worked with a lot of artists and uh, and love what I do, but it's a part-time job. Uh, yeah, you're still doing that now in the context yeah. of your position here. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Do you do most of it on the weekends, or is it just come as catch can? How do you manage it? I do a it? lot of it at night uh, uh, through email. Yeah. Uh, and I get up early uh, because we're in mountain time zone. I get up early and work the phones on the East Coast. Wow. And uh, And when I get off work, I still have an hour left to work the Pacific, the West Coast, so I... I I burn the candle from both ends. Wow, that's amazing. And what's really been cool about it is, as you know, I teach this class on the history of rock and roll, and he was able to come in and he actually zoomed in some of these people that the students got to talk to, right? And that's why, you know, who, who knew that this really existed and they had these experiences? But speaking of booking people, <laughs> Lynn, you have been the heart and soul of Apex for five years? Almost ish? six years, yeah. And what's that number of people? How many? That's a great question. So it's uh, between 20 and 22 a year. So, you know, 120, something like that. Yeah. And each of those people you have talked to, you have interviewed, you yeah. have dined with and, yeah. and transported around. I know you show them this amazing area in which we live. So maybe you could share with us a couple of the experiences or the memorable people that really stuck out to you over those years. Wow, that is an amazing thing to ask. Um, you know, it's sort of like you you also asked me what my favorite songs were and it's almost as difficult as that question or people also say what what instrument do you like playing the most that's also really hard um you know i think one of the things of a of a great interviewer and of a great interview i i read somewhere is that you you sort of fall in love with your guest a little bit every week and so honestly i you know it's so hard to pick a few because really i do 
take that tact. You know, I really am trying to kind of fall fully for someone every week in a way. And I, I just love that, you know, immersing in that. But if I had to say a couple that really stand out to me, um, y- they are some of the ones that are on our, um, our opening video that are on our website, um, that are quite memorable. Um, one that comes to mind is Bertie Sperry. And she was here for one of our Festival of Excellence keynotes. And, um, she had the room in the palm of her hand. And I actually played with her on stage. We did a little song together. And it was so motivating and so inspiring that that was really quite quite a special memory. Um, let's see, from this year, you know, we had such elite guests. There are two from this past year that I also would say are, are standouts and will continue to be standouts. And one was when Temple Grandin was here in February. That was our largest event in our combined um, in-person and online attendance. We had almost 700 people, which was a, a record breaker for us. And the different types of people from all different areas that she touched um, was amazing to see. And then lastly, we had our first royal guest, if you will, which uh, we had the first lady of the Democratic Republic of the Congo here and at the beginning of the year. And that was um, very special to to host someone of that caliber. So uh, thank you. So one of the things that we know doing public programming in both of your areas of expertise is that sometimes things don't go as planned. (laughs) So, and in fact, I I know that David, part of your job is to, I think the phrase is protecting the reputation of SUU by overseeing crisis communication. Wow. That's right. So, so in that vein, can you each share an experience in which things didn't go right and how you overcame that challenge? Well, in, in terms of my job here. So it's, look, we, we put out more fires. Uh, my job is successful if I'm not, uh, I don't see a negative headline in the Salt Lake Tribune or, uh, on, on television. And, um, I think Dr. Benson said that, or I'm sorry, President Benson said this yesterday in your class. She said that, uh, a crisis isn't always a crisis, right? And there are a lot of fires that are put out behind the scenes that you never see to make things run smoothly, to keep the wheels uh, on. And uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Um, y- you know, I like putting out fires. I like, uh, you know, pushing back with reporters who uh, think they're taking a story one direction. And and uh, I like to throw them curveballs because, it, 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 look, look, oftentimes when a reporter gets a phone call from someone or an email from someone saying, hey, this is going on at SUU or in, in anywhere in particular, it's not always the the facts aren't always out there, right? So I like clearing things up for for reporters, and my job is to protect the reputation of this university, and I take that job very seriously, very seriously. Wow, you love putting out fires. I don't like putting out fires. <laughs> I try to do everything I can possibly do to not have to put out fires, but that's amazing. Um, for me, I would say that our pivoting uh, for the pandemic, you know, would be one of the accomplishments where, you know, we didn't know what to do and things weren't going as planned. Um, but what we did end up doing and the way we held our events 
um, when we switched to this remote thing, I was really proud of, you know, at SUU, we stayed um, in person uh, when we came back in the fall, but a lot of our speakers wouldn't travel, wouldn't come to campus. And so we devised a format where attendees could, audience members could attend in person. They could come sit in the great hall and be at the event in person, or they could watch the live stream. And the way we did it was that I would be live on stage with a TV um, that was being projected above me and, and, and hosting the event with the speaker in that way. So it felt like this, um, it wasn't just a Zoom event. You know, it was this sort of hybrid thing where people could attend in person. I was there as the host in person, but the guest was Zooming in, but the guest felt like they were having a real one-on-one and the audience felt like they were having a real event as well. So I was proud of that. And that definitely wasn't the plan, of course, so... So how do you go about then selecting a season? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, people ask me that all the time, and it's um, it's really the most fun puzzle in the world to put together. We start um, uh, over a year in advance, uh, and so I have all the dates um, sort of laid out in a kind of in a whiteboard format. And um, the first thing is we have some existing partnerships that are fairly fixed that have to be put into place first. For example, our great collaboration with the Utah appeals court, you know, that needs to be decided ahead of time. Um, and there are several of those that just sort of get anchor in at different points. So that's the first thing that happens. Um, the second thing is that we have other people who have now come to us and really want to collaborate. So we get all of our collaborations in um, first. And then the next thing that happens is that I have a committee that's made up of uh, members from all of the colleges on campus. And um, we meet and go through and, and vet other suggested speakers that people have suggested either via the website or via email. Uh, and then we come up with maybe um, seven or eight of those. And then I start negotiating and calling and seeing if the amount that they want and their timing fits in. And I plug some of those in. Um, and then lastly, um, depending on how far the budget stretches, then we tend to look at some other events that maybe, um, you know, are less expensive or outreach type events for people that we can plug in. And only once a year, I usually have a vanity pick that's somebody that I want to pick and somebody that I really want to see on campus. Budget pending, of course. Well, who? (laughs) Who? Let me ask you this. Who had been your vanity pick and couldn't make it happen? Um, that, that I couldn't make happen. Well, I've been very strategic about my vanity picks and always have picked ones that I knew were going to be not very expensive and that would fit in our budget and fit in our time. And usually they're a music person. So for example, um, the talking strings, uh, African Cora and cello duo was my pick for this year. And then, um, last year, uh, drew Ford, the violist, um, and we had a composer one year. And so usually I, I make it the music, the music pick, um, since of course that's my, one of my passion areas. So speaking of music, yes, Let's uh, do we need? I'm not 
confident on when our first musical selection comes up. All right. So it's now. We're going to do it now. And this is one of David's pick. Um, so New Kid in Town by the Eagles. David, why do you love this song? I love that song because it came out, I think, in 1976, 75, 76. And uh, my family and I had just moved from one city in uh, South Florida to another city in South Florida. And the song just seemed to fit. And I love the Eagles music, that California rock music. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my favorite Eagles song and my favorite song. Oh my gosh, well here it is. New Kid in Town by the Eagles. You're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1. There's talk on the street, it sounds so familiar. Expectations, everybody's watching you.
right. Well, welcome back, everyone. That was New Kid in Town uh, by the Eagles. And that was the 2013 um, remastered version of it. We are back at the Apex Hour uh, celebrating 125 years, our anniversary. Ryan, do you want to talk a bit about the 125? Yeah. So this is an initiative that that President Benson has put together uh, and and many, many people from across campus have coordinated to create a, a really a year-long celebration of SUU's 125th. We had an amazing centennial, and I think we're, we're on track to do some amazing things. There's year-long programs and, and all kinds of exciting things that are happening, guided experiences, uh, all kinds of events. And David, you might be able to share some of the things that are coming up. Uh, off the top of my head, let me let me just say this. I, I you know, as someone who's relatively new to the uh, SUU, uh, to to know the story of how this university came to be, and and how um, it has just like exploded uh, in 125 years, and and the dedication of the founders to the commitment that we have today, and uh, we're the fastest growing uh, university in the state. And it's it's great, and uh, you know I I like the fact that we're celebrating for one year because I don't think one day or one week does it justice, because there's a lot of accomplishments, not just the past and the present, but the future of SUU because it's very very bright. You know, one thing this COVID pandemic has shown us is that um, even universities aren't safe because there are a number of universities throughout the country that have closed because of declining enrollment. And we have seen just the opposite here at SUU. Our enrollments keep going up and up and up. And I think that's because parents and students who come here realize that this is a a different vibe that you get at SUU than you get at other universities. And that's not a knock on any other university, but it's a more personalized experience here than you get at, at, a, at a larger university. And I think that's what a lot of people need. Um, and so... I love the fact that we're celebrating for an entire year because there's a lot to celebrate. Yeah, and one of the things that, that's been really exciting from, from the 125 committee level is there are a number of professors on campus who've created 125th SUU-themed classes, not just in departments like history, which you would think would be obvious, but in business and economics and all kinds of other things that are coming up that are really exciting. There's going to be an exhibit opening on Monday down in Special Collections that will be up for a year about the history of SUU, and it's it's really an exciting time to, to be on campus. And speaking of exciting and celebration, as Cool and the gang would say, <laughs> uh, let's talk about music, because one of the things that, that I think binds us as humans, right? It's the one real human thing that we do uh, is music. And I know both of you have deep connections on a variety of levels to to the the performance, production, uh, use of music in your lives. So Lynn, maybe you could start and just talk a little bit about your experience with music and how it's influenced you to be a better human. Yeah. I think that the best way to start this conversation is to say, music transforms. You know, that is really the touchstone. That's the North Star that lights it all, right? Music transforms. Music transforms everything. Music transforms lives. Music transforms memory. Music transforms present. Music transforms our understanding. Um, you know, it really can touch everything. And I, I've seen that in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of those that I've been lucky enough to educate. And I think that's 
the thing that really inspires me. I mean, you know, we can talk about music being this this other language, which it absolutely is, but that transformative quality, um, music can transport you anywhere. It can take you anywhere um, in a, at a very practical level and in an imagination level and in your heart level. So for me, that's what music means. And that's what I've seen in my career, you know, seeing uh, music transform the life of, of, of a student. I'm, I'm thinking of I just got a photo of two two of my students who are now making it as drummers in um, in LA and just got a picture of them being able to reunite and just the joy on their faces as they embark in their careers. It's just, you know, coming from one of them came from France, one of them came from here, you know, it's just amazing to see what it can do. So it's done that for me. And it's done that for everyone that I've um, been fortunate enough to 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 mentor and help make a difference in their lives. So I'm interested in this, this idea of, I mean, there's that old adage that those that can't do teach, Mm. right. But you do both. Yeah. What's the difference there? I mean, how is there a different feeling about performing music and then teaching it? Is there a a switch or is it all the same thing? That's a great question. Uh, For me, it's all the same thing. And, and I'm one of those people who lives their life by a motto. And, you know, my motto is bring the energy, make and share magic. And so for me, that could be make and share magic on stage performing, um, to the best of my capability to try to really touch people's lives in the audience, or it can be make and share magic by really working with a student and seeing that potential and trying to craft that, um, so that they then are everything that they want to be too. So for me, it's the same. It's making and sharing magic through the discipline of music. Um, so that's how I would answer that. Super cool. So let's go to you then, David. You and I have talked a lot about music, and, and I think we're more rock and roll kind of guys. Not that <laughs> Lynn is not. I'm sure that she's rocked with the best of them. But, but let's talk about music in your mind. Yeah, the thing I love about music – it's that it's unifying. Mm. If you go to a concert and you look around the audience, you're going to see every color of the rainbow, every socioeconomic uh, status represented. It is a unifier. I remember, I've been to a lot of concerts, <laughs> but my number one dream concert was when I saw Paul McCartney. Oh, wow. Uh, five rows back. It was an awesome show. Wow. Uh, three hours straight, Paul singing. It was awesome. Yeah. But I looked around the crowd, and it was people from every walks of life. And that's what I love about music, especially in the times in which we live, right? We live in a very divided country, a very divided world. But music, whatever genre of music you like, um, has a way of just bringing people together, they may have nothing else in common but their love for a particular artist or a particular song. And yeah. that's, that's what's great about music. The one thing that I've seen is that artists, uh, you know, I work a lot with artists and see them off stage and on stage. And, um, you know, groups like Ambrosia, uh, who have been around since the 70s, and they uh, perform pretty much the same set list every concert they do. And so they perform these songs hundreds, if not thousands of times. But the passion that they have when they get on stage, their love of music uh, translates. And I think the audience can appreciate that. And, and that's what I love. I love about music. I mean, I'm a rock and roll guy, but I have a deep appreciation for all genres of music. Mm-hmm. How many songs do you have on your phone? 
you know, I don't listen to music on my phone as much, but on my com- uh, computer at home, I have about 4,000 songs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? How many songs do you have on your phone? I've never counted. Um, you know, I don't know. I tend to now, I mean, I listen in Spotify a lot because I'm doing a lot of discovery and I do a lot of research. Um, and so I'm constantly listening to stuff all the time. So... Yeah, I mean, I have a CD collection somewhere, but I don't even know what's there anymore, you know. So I don't know. It's not something I've ever counted. Well, you know what I like about music in the sense that you've ever that experience where you get in the car when actually radio had music on it and you turn on the car and it's that song. Yeah. Or you put in your your phone or whatever you listen to and, and you just hit shuffle and that song comes up and that is, and it just, it makes your day. Yeah. Right. And I think that really is critical. And as we think about how music has a way to set our minds and our mindsets into our lives. I, I like this question, and it was given to me. I, I ask a lot of people this question. The, the question was given to me by my friend Paula Mitchell, who you probably all know is a special collections awesome. librarian on campus. And we've been collaborating a lot recently. And this is the question that I really, really like, and it's this. What was your best day? And I'm going to start with you, Lynn. What was your oh best gosh. day? Um, the way I'm going to answer this question, um, is my best day is a day that I've had a lot of. So it's not one single day. It's a single kind of day. Um, there's one that I, I'm remembering, um, but it's, uh, there's many. So there's one and then another and another that are the same thing. And I will say that it's, when I have been involved in a performance with my students, um, the one that I'm thinking of is we did a great a project called Fluidity Confined, and you can you can find that on YouTube. It's it's an awesome multi collaborative work that we did with um, uh, Raina Gardner and her students in photography, and my students in percussion, and I performed, and then we did video with our great video people here on campus, um, and when we were doing the filming that day that we were doing the filming and my students and I were performing and uh, Raina was there with her photo photographs and the film and just that feeling of making this incredible magical thing. And the, the joy that the, the joy and the intensity that the students were giving when they were performing. And then I was there with them and that was a great day. The semester before, there was another day just like that. We collaborated with our dance department and Alex Bradshaw Yerby and all of her dancers and my students. And we were filming and we were performing and filming all day, but we were all on stage together and just in it. Um, those days are, that's my best days. <laughs> <laughs> David, what about you? Well, look, you know, <clears throat> let me preface what I'm going to say with, with this. Yeah, I love what I do for a living. I have a passion for it. And I've had a lot of great days professionally in my career. But my three best days of my life are the day I married my wife and the, and the two days I held my children for the first time. I mean, that's just, those are the greatest days of my life. Yeah. So uh, again, I, I love what I do for a living, but I, 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 you know, I live for my family and yeah. I work a lot. I'm a workaholic, totally admit it. But my family is like, that. that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Sweet. What, uh, what music have you introduced your family to? Uh, well, you know, my six-year-old daughter knows the words, uh, knows every word to "Baby Come Back." Great <laughs> <laughs> player hit. Yep, yep. So, speaking of music, yep, Lynn, it's that time. I think this is your turn to give us one of your favorite songs. It is my turn, and I really struggled with this question, Ryan, because I am in love with 
so many, it feels like whatever week it is, I'm in, I, it's the same thing as the speakers. You know what I mean? I'm in love with the music of that week. But um, I tried to think of songs that I that I really think are special. And um, this one kind of ties in a lot of different things. It's the um, Sting version of the Hendrix tune, Little Wing. And that, um, this arrangement, arrangement, if you will, that he does this version that he does is just amazing. And it it kind of goes into that unifying thing that Dave was talking about. Because um, in it, you have Sting doing the Hendrix tune. And then the moment that I love the most in this song is about three quarters of the way through when the guitar solo transition transitions to Branford Marcellus's a soprano saxophone mm. solo, because he was on that album, very famously on that album. Mm. And this transition between those two solos is amazing also there is the greatest rock flam in history (laughs) as like a backbeat flam it's super loose and playful and fun and so this is little wing by sting enjoy she's walking through the clouds well a circus man is running around Butterflies and zebras and moonbeams and fairy tales. All she ever talks about, riding with the
Right, everyone. Well, that was Little Wing um, by Sting. That great version. Did you guys hear that transition between those solos? Sweet. All right. So we are back um, for more chat on the Apex Hour. And we have another guest here. We could not let our season go one minute further without bringing my right hand on. And so, you know, we are at the end of our 2022 season and um, just celebrating. And one of the things that I just say on a daily basis is thank goodness for Amelia. So we have with us Amelia Nauman. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's weird to be on the other side of the table, but I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> I know because you've been the host a couple of times. You've gotten a chance to host the show and you've done such a great job. Well, let me just publicly say on the record that Amelia is the most awesome Awesome, 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 awesome colleague. And um, you have just made Apex so awesome. And I have loved every second of working with you. And I just want to take you wherever I go. <laughs> you know, I just want you with me always. And I will gladly follow. It's been absolutely amazing to walk into the system that you've built. I cannot thank you enough. <laughs> well, some of the things that Amelia does, I mean, you know, I don't know how you would describe your job, but basically she does everything for Apex. <laughs> you do everything with regards to the events. You do every, you prepare my radio show notes. You do, how do you see your job? The man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, like you said, it really is a little bit of everything because when you're dealing with an entity as big and as established as Apex and you're dealing with such a variety of speakers and a variety of weeks and a variety of opportunities, there's a million things to be done. I mean, there's a million things to be done on social media and there's a million things to be done just checking guests into hotels and all of these little micro things. And it's really amazing to see how the gears work inside of a system. And it's been a privilege to do it. <laughs> well, I feel like you have my brain, like you understand <laughs> my brain on such a deep level. Sometimes we will be working and I'll be like, can you and you're like, I already did it. You know, and I haven't even finished the sentence, which is so, so fun. So like, thank you. <laughs> officially, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A million thank yous. Oh, right back at you. <laughs> 
<laughs> she is super cool. Yeah, right? I know. I remember the days before. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, checking in hotels, how's your hotel, David? Did we take care of you? Yes, y'all. Thank you so much. <laughs> so one of the things as we as the season begins to end, and one of the things that I've appreciated, Lynn, for, for what you have done with Apex is – You've connected it on multiple levels, not only for professionals and faculty and community, but in my mind, this has always been a student thought out experience, right? That these speakers that you bring in, these experiences you provide really are for students to to broaden their horizons, to really do what a university education is supposed to do, Mm -hmm. right? To transform you from a needy child into a responsible steward of, of their lives and of their resources. And part of that is you ask every person at the end of, of the, the recorded interview when we, when we're on state, when you're on stage is what advice would you give students? And so I kind of want to flip that for both of you, David and Lynn, and ask you two questions. They're part of the same. One is what advice would you give your younger self now and what advice would you give students? Okay. Who do you want to start? Let's go with David. Well, I think my advice would be the same, and that would be to be nimble. You know, when I was um, – my first job was in radio when I was 15 years old, and I I got bitten by the bug. I uh, went to college, started doing TV news after college. and um, But I've had a whole bunch of different phases of my career, and I wouldn't change a thing about what I've done. If you look at my resume, it's uh, three years here, three years there, or whatever. Uh, you, you could say I can't keep a job. But, or you could say that I my interests have changed and I go in the direction of my interest. And I've been very fortunate in my career. You know, as a news reporter, I've interviewed, golly, most of the civil rights leaders who made it out of the 1960s. Rosa Parks, Coretta Scott King, and George Wallace on the other side. Um, as a public relations person, I've worked with presidents of the United States, vice presidents of the United States, governors, senators, uh, other, uh, you know, high end executives from all walks of life or people from all walks of life and work with musicians. I, I just, I've, I've done a lot in my career and I wouldn't change a thing about it. So my advice to a student would be, you may think that this is the direction that you want to go in your life right now. And that may be true. But be open for the possibilities that, that your career may take you in a different path. Rich Christensen, who's the uh, uh, chairman of the Board of Trustees here at SU, has this book called The Zigzag Principle. And it, in, in essence, it says that uh, life will take you in different directions. There is no straight path one way or the other. Follow the zigs and the zags of life. Cool. I, before I get to Lynn, you know, every rock and roll book and movie has always taught us that there's always some old sage rock and roll musician that pulls someone young aside and says, let me tell you one thing. Who was that? Tell me. I want to know what the rock and roll people said to you when they pulled you aside and said, Sonny or George Wallace or Rosa Parks. What did they say to you? Well, the rock and roll people will say there's a reason it's called show business because it's a business and uh, a business of show. Right. And so, uh, the, the getting on stage and performing is the easy part. The hard part is from the infancy of booking shows and uh, making sure that you're treated, that, that the artist is treated right at the venue and that more importantly, you're paid because, you know, these are what people do. People get paid for a living to perform. 
Uh, but, you know, the thing I, you know, I took, I, I take away different things from different people. The one thing uh, that impacted me about Rosa Parks, the impact that she made, um, oh man, the impact that she made in this country. She was a quiet, soft-spoken person who was almost an accidental uh, uh, a person of significance, right? I mean, she knew what she was doing, but she had this quiet steadfastness about what she was trying to do. You don't. It's not always the loudest person. It's the person who uh, may have the most integrity or the person who's really committed to uh, taking a cause and leading it. So, uh, you know, Oh gosh, I could write a book, but I'm too lazy to do it. And, uh, but I, 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 again, I've been very fortunate to have had just a lot of, it, of interaction with people and to uh, try and take away little parcels of knowledge from each and every one of them. Cool. Thank you. Lynn. All right. My advice to my younger self is very specific to me and it, it, it would be trust yourself. I think it took me a while to do that. And I kind of wish I had done that earlier. So trust yourself would be the advice to my younger self. Um, my advice to students now um, is is quite maybe strong, um, but it is always pursue excellence in everything you do. I, I'm a big... Um, yeah, I, I really... That's what I think. If you are... If you were just rigorously pursuing excellence in everything you do, I think you can't go wrong. I've got something that's nagging me and, and, <laughs> and it's nagging me because I'm looking at these show notes that, uh, that our colleague prepared for me actually. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. Uh Oh, <laughs> and it's about this talk that you give. Yeah. Uh -huh. and the talk is called forte yourself. Yes. Can mm -hmm. you, can you, just briefly talk about that. Yes, um, I've I've ventured into the talk space, and if anybody's listening and interested, you can check out my website, which is lynnvartan.com. And under projects, uh, you can see all the talks that I do. I, I do quite a few talks, both musically and some wellness talks. Uh, but this talk, forte yourself. So forte in in Italian means strong, right? And and in music, it means strong, strengthen you know, we associate with loud, but it, really it's strong, right? So um, this talk is a talk that ties music to ways that you can strengthen yourself. So it takes five iconic musicians and ties uh, an attribute to each of them. For example, one of them is Dolly Parton. And the the trait that is associated with her in my talk is optimism. And it talks about sort of, sort of what I see is the five key things that you can really work on personally that will strengthen your sense of who you are and how you move about in the world. So that's what Forte Yourself is. That sounds cool. <laughs> I'll just say we don't deserve Dolly Parton. She is She's a national treasure. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Is she Absolutely. on your interview list? Have you interviewed her? I have never met Dolly Parton, no. no. Well, Ryan, we are getting close to the end of our hour. Is it hour, that time? So I think it might be that time. makes me time. smile. So just so you know, the, the best part of this whole experience uh, sitting here is about to happen. <laughs> it's not that I, I get up and No leave, pressure. But it's this. The last question that Lynn asks every guest, and, and I wish 
that you would compile these. Oh, that's a great. I, I that's wish a great that idea. you would go through your 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 show notes or whatever and compile these into a a thing about that would that. be a great idea. I do have to say that it is a riff off of something that is done on another podcast. So I can't take credit <laughs> for creating this idea. We do it a little different version of it, but it is something that that others have done, but we do love doing here. So here's the question. And we're going to start with uh, Amelia. I'm so, ready. <laughs> Amelia. She knows what the question is. <laughs> what is turning you on this week? Perfect. So mine's a little bit silly. And I love when people say that they their experiences with Apex, and of course, my experience with Apex is always going to be what's turning me on, especially this year. But I do have to say that after months and months of work, I have finally perfected my scone recipe. (laughs) And that's probably my favorite. I really believe that one of the greatest connections you can make with your fellow men is through food. And (laughs) after months of working on it, I finally have it all established and ready to go. And this summer, I am moving to Idaho, where you pick wild huckleberries. And I am so excited to incorporate those two. Oh, my God. You have to send some of those to me. You got it. I'll overnight them. Wow, that's awesome. Nice. So, David Bishop, yes. what is turning you on this week? I'm kind of consumed with commencement that takes place next Friday. Oh, because yeah. Because there's a lot of work that goes into it. It doesn't just happen. And, uh, you know, we have Dr. Condoleezza Rice, the former United States Secretary of State, who's going to be our commencement speaker. And uh, and so it's a little more intense than uh, past graduations. So uh, we're doing a lot of work. To, uh, to to prepare for next Friday for graduation to make sure everything runs smoothly. We've done a lot of news releases this week announcing our university, uh, the, the college uh, valedictorians, things like that. So I, I'm really focused in on graduation for the next eight days. Okay. I'm going to get to you, but someone ask me. Ryan, what is turning you on this week? What's turning me on this week is Formula One racing. Uh-huh. I love Formula, Formula One. One Drive to Survive on Netflix. If you haven't seen that, you owe it yourself yes. to, to do so. We totally watch Formula One and we've watched all of those. But when this recent season just dropped, because we watched the end of last year's Formula uh-huh. One, which was quite controversial. So we like <laughs> skipped to the end and watched the very last one, which was about that last race, which, oh my gosh. Yes. yes. Italian Grand Prix one. is Sunday. This weekend. Yeah, we're Sunday, recording Sunday, it. Sunday, Sunday. I'm going to so be watching. That is what's turning me on this week. Now. Okay. End of season, the yeah. last season, the last question of the last season. Lynn Vartan, yes. what is turning you on this week? Well, I have two things. I couldn't, I could not just do one. The first one is the fun one. And uh, the fun one is um, I am obsessed at the moment with Venezuelan maraca technique. And I had a lesson with a young man in Venezuela this morning um, on Venezuelan maraca technique. So I am learning how to play traditional Venezuelan maracas, which I love. So that's the fun one. Um, And then, uh, you know, I just have to say I've been thinking so much um, these last this last week about Apex and I am just completely turned on by um, 
what we have been able to do in the last uh, five and a half years. And it has just been really incredible to think back over this this season. I always think about it at the end of the season. And so I've been thinking about this season and that is absolutely, absolutely this year turned me on completely for Apex, but also every year that led up to it as well. Well, I think that's been a highlight for many of us here. So thank you, uh, Amelia. Thank you, David. Thank you, Lynn. And I'll let you sign us off. Fantastic. Thanks, you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu slash apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.